Greetings and welcome to the Beyond Earth show. I am your host, Ray Trujillo, and thank you all of you for your presence today with me on today's transmission. It is November 18th, 2023, and just a reminder that each day that we live is a most miraculous and most precious blessing to be here on Earth and to share this earth realm with every single one of you and with each other and with the creature kingdom and the elemental kingdom. And when I preface with that, all life is essentially sacred. And we can also ascertain that all life is holy and that when we are in the presence of the holiness of our life, that we see God everywhere. We are with spirit everywhere and that we are also in the elements of the foundational components with our physical vessel, such as you could say our atomic particles that are everywhere around us in the dense world, in the dense reality, and also with the divinity. So it coalesces and merges and has like a biochemical response there. So in all of our lives that are sacred, that are holy, that are most precious, regardless of belief systems and your background, whatever your thought process essentially is, that we are truly all one and that we are unified by God, by a grand creator, the grand architect, Mother Gaia. And in that biochemical infusion in which that we are comprised of, There's so much that's beyond the flesh, so much beyond the interstitial fluid and the bone and the bone marrow and our cellular structure. There's so much beyond our physical vessel, our physical being in the carne, the flesh of ourselves. And that is part of the the naturia in the realm of our dense matter. There's the earthly realm in which we all exist and we coexist in this earthly realm. But what is beyond this earthly realm, right? So what is beyond this earth? What is beyond? What is through the veil? And that's what the show is, the basis of the show is, is to delve into numerous thoughts and postulations, facts, theories, hypotheses on numerous topics that are essentially beyond this earth, beyond this world, beyond this realm. And there's so much, there's such a vast amount of knowledge to seek and wisdom to seek and also knowledge that to expand upon. And so the show is for everyone, yet this is also a beautiful time to be in this melody of reminding every one of us, each and every one of us, including ourselves, that although we're in this realm, in this earthly realm, that it can be also a dark place. It's supposed to be comprised of light and love and mercy and grace and virtue. And it is, it still is. The elements, the creature kingdom, the harmony, and also the disharmony. There's always going to be this balance And the imbalance, because we can't truly have one without the other in the dichotomy. And as above, so below, the hermetic dictum. And I'll speak of that more as I continue. Yet, when we have these realms of existence and our divine existence, we have our karmic imprints. And the karmic imprints that are consisting of the the past and the present and we can even go into lives and lifetimes and so forth. Yet, in addition to that, the balance of that, the dharma, your life's purpose, the purpose of your soul's journey here now, and the purpose of our goals in which we wish to posit into the world, and we can strive for meritorious impressions and strive to really take on these, I would say, improvements, contributions to the world, to society, to our neighbors, to our fellow animal kingdom, to those that are in need, and the charitable charitable aspect, and also to teach and to learn as well in the balance of that, in the spectrum of the balance of 
where we have good and bad, light and dark, and also ignorance versus extreme wisdom. And then there's a place in which with extreme wisdom also comes that contradictory, perilous thought process of that, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? And when you're having and you're possessing so much wisdom that it can actually be a detriment to the mind because there's so much awareness, yet that's when you acquiesce to the superpower of the awareness and then the gratitude of that supersedes the ignorance of bliss and that's something else that I could get into as well. However, when we speak of the karma and the dharma of our divine existence, the memory of God, the memory of the universe, the memory of the cosmos, the logos, the memory of our soul's inherent existence, and genetically, um, you could go on and on regardless of what you believe or not believe, but there is so much to that, and there's so much that's evidentiary that pivots us to a certain proclivity to think and have thought forms that we encompass that lead to some very peculiar insights that there's no proof that it doesn't exist, right? So when we see that spectrum of deduction and we look deeper, it seems to pivot more so that it's anything is really possible. There's no limitation. And so in the basic realm of the Dharma and what we wish to posit into the world, and especially during this particular incarnation, we have the galactic consciousness. And, and in our response to that galactic consciousness, there's that biochemical response with the Holy Spirit, with the galactic consciousness, with the creature kingdom, with the elemental kingdom, with God, with Jesus, with Mother Gaia, with Buddha, with the Shekinah, however is respective to you. But there is undoubtedly a biochemical response that our etheric body responds to. And in the grandeur of what this world and the off-planetary worlds also present to each and every one of us that are seen and unseen. And that's a key word there, seen and unseen. In the tangible versus the intangible, sometimes we can feel something or we can see something, but we may not be able to touch it exactly, but we can sense that it's there. And we can feel that it's there. And sometimes we can have all the senses, the touch, the feel, the the sense, the sensory, and also in the 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 place in which we process and we process that there is a tangibility here. It's not just a delusion or some sort of hallucination, right? And so when we experience the seen and the unseen and the mind processes through the filter and i have mentioned this before but the reticulating activation center in the mind and the brain that actually is a filtration system and that kind of helps us to define what's real and what's not real at times so we have so much of our chemistry and our circuitry that assists us with our etheric body and our spiritual body. And so when we truly perceive ourselves and perceive others, and we speak of the sanctity of the bearers of light and the seen and the unseen, and we look at the harbingers of light and that love is the power, that love is the ultimate unconditional power. And when we contend with these elements of darkness and decay, discord and dysfunction, demonic impressions that are highly influential in the diabolical sense and the rape of the mind, and we go into mass psychosis, the formation psychosis, the fueling of that energetic, I would say, that dark absorption like the louche, that the fueling the deeper undercurrents of fear and the amygdala is the fear center of the brain when it's hijacked, right? So let's just say that. So your adrenal system, your survival um, system, what keeps us here, we're all here because our 
someone before I survived. So we're all here due to that because we are meant to be here right now. But when those fears kick in and our amygdala is hijacked, we have our adrenals in such a fear and a flight or fight and also in that place of being frozen. So whatever it be for each of us, when that darkness comes over, it can be the most disconcerting, most difficult, most heart-wrenching. And it would be in the essence of the opposite, right, of light and love. So when you go to that dichotomy, which is also part of what we're discussing today, is that in that dichotomy of the darkness, the undercurrent of that and the fears that take over each and every one of us throughout our lives, right now we're experiencing more so of that influence. And so we want to really reflect upon the bearers of light, the harbingers of light, the most that we can whenever we encounter darkness, because light will always supersede the darkness. And so when I speak of this, and I don't mean to be fear-mongering or to be in negativity, yet negativity exists all around us. Fear exists all around us, and darkness does exist all around us. But what do we do with the darkness? What do we do with the fear? What do we do with these overwhelming feelings that are uh, you know, hijacking our senses and also what we can't filter out, what we can't seem to filter out. And on our previous show, I was discussing the notion of just reminding all of us, how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we bring in our own way, heaven to earth? If it's just with one person, one animal, one creature at a time, one flower, one plant, one butterfly, one bumblebee, one spider, one homeless person, one homeless animal, um, an elderly person that needs help or someone who's just alone or a child that just needs support in some fashion in any capacity that you can bring heaven to earth no matter if it's just one individual construct one individual person or sentient being that's the beginning that's the precipice of prevailing over any darkness because when that unconditional love grows and grows and grows even with one being with one thought with one thought form and the right thought action and that's implemented that's posited and there's even just a smile there's even just a thank you you're doing a great job i appreciate you um or even a sort of positive affirmation that you bless somebody else with May God prosper you and prosper everyone around you. May God protect you and protect everyone around you. You're going to do wonderful today. You're going to be amazing. Believe in yourself at the recital or at your, at your tournament, whatever it might be. You're going to do wonderful when you study for that bar exam. Those instances there, when you utter a word and you prophesize a word into the ethers and to others, that right there, even just the simplest I truly wish you a beautiful day. You're going to feel better. These are not fallacies. These are not self-imposed wishful thinking. This is actually positing and prophesizing for others to literally bless them from the unconditional state of your mind, body, spirit to help them through. Because in some place in that filtration system of the circuitry of the mind, there is that element that believes that, that says, actually, yes, I'm going to ace my bar exam. I don't have to do the mini bar. I have to do the, I'll do the big bar exam and I'll be, I'll receive my qualifications, my certification. You know, I will win my tournament. I will win first place at my recital, whatever it might be. It generates that. Even if it's a goal that you have, like I want to clean my room or I want to finish my paperwork, whatever it is, there's that electricity and then there's that energy and that biochemical response with the belief system of that you know what thank you I, I i there's a place in me that believes that i can actually achieve that and so when i speak of that i'm going into the contrast of that if we feed into the fear we feed into the darkness we feed that everything is so scary everything is so dark and foreboding and 
you know, paranoia central and hypervigilance with paranoia. I understand that. I do. And it's very normal because having those types of fears can work with you to help you survive in anything, correct? Yet, once you confront the darkness, once you confront the fear, you can still be hypervigilant and being defensive, proactive for yourself, yet you also want to behold the light within you and around you. You also want to permeate that inner confidence and coalesce with that confidence. And you want to also acquiesce with that. Um, we're not going to acquiesce to the dark. We're going to acquiesce with the light and the love and that we will win. We can win. God always wins, right? Um, so in that place of when you are confronted with such foreboding and dark energies at times, especially right now, the veil is thinning. And I speak of this even more so now than ever before, because it is really, really, really dissolving. Our veil is truly decelerating in its protective shield and our magneto shield. And we have immense solar flares and a lot of geoelectric activity and also solar forcing and so it affects us all but also while that happens and it affects us biochemically and also emotionally and mentally and psychically as well because we are spiritual beings just like jesus said to be in this world but not of it right and we all be discussing more of that in a moment but we think of all of that how we're so we're electric bodies we're electric beings in a container of flesh and we also have our nervous system and our cellular system and then we have our spirit and our etheric body and our soul star and truly our soul is in the emanation when we look at our auric fields right so we are comprised of so much beauty so much miraculousness that there's more to us than just this flesh just this carne in this dense body and so we have to be reminded that even when we feel that we're in a sort of darkness and there is darkness that does surround, we bring in that light, we activate that light and we activate that love and we activate that cosmic field into our biofield and into the biofield of everything around us that we possibly can. And we energize that. We pray, we chant, we meditate. We really work on those aspects from the tip of our toes to the crown of our head and beyond to our soul star. We look and we clear our meridians, whatever works for you. But there is so much right now to really, really, really be vigilant with yourself and be in that total fullness and that self-awareness. Because when we speak of this and we want to continue to self-actualize this is a very important time. And one may say that, you know, this concept that we that is uh, prevalent, that there's darkness in the shadows and that we contend with throughout our time here since the beginning of time. And we can even pause for just a moment to consider, you know, let's say the concept of good versus evil, the guardian angel versus the guardian demon. And we have that duality, right? So in the duality, the, there's a balance. Again, I mentioned earlier, as above, so below. And also as within and so without. And so the powers that he'd control over ourselves and that in that existential, the literally, let's say, the tug and the pull in the euphemistic way that we're literally enslaved to ourselves at times with our emotions and our feelings and in the existential place of when we have that inner imprisonment of these overwhelming thoughts in a very overwhelming, overstimulating world, right? Then we can speak of the quickening, that everything's accelerating at a rapid time. Everything is catching up. It's revelations. It's tribulations. It's everything. It's, wow, are we in the end times? You know, seeking eschatologists, are we in the place of where those that are blessed with the spiritual discernment truly are growing and evolving even more with the ebb and the flow of the construct that all of these energies that are permeating around us in our lived reality now are 
readying up to be the soldiers of God's army, to contend also with Satan's army, truly. So there's so much to consider here. So when we have these karmic retributions and the karmic laws, the karmic attributes, and truly the retributions of our soul and in that soul's journey, and we can truly ask that when we seek this perseverance to posit our purpose unto this world, whether it's dark, whether it's bright, whether it's a balance, whether it's both, and we can even say is Satan alive and well on planet Earth. Many of you are really in that place of that you really do believe that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, that he is trying to take over the kingdom and that Christ the King and his legions of angels are preparing for truly the ultimate battle to end all battles, the ultimate showdown, you know, and just to provide some peace in between. Think of the lion and the lamb when the lion and lamb are resting peacefully beside one another. But in this place of thought, in the place of fear, and what is truly considerable in the notion of probability and possibility, one can also say that in this ultimate showdown is Satan's time running out, is our time running out, um, Christ returning. Um, there's so much to consider here, but regardless of what any of you may believe or not believe theologically, um, culturally, your own belief system, your personal spiritual or non-spiritual, if you're an atheist, if you don't believe in this, you're agnostic, you believe in something different, or if you're in any sort of interest in this at all, regardless of your beliefs, there is an undeniable pattern that's going on. So if you look at it scientifically, we have a great deal of calamity going on. We're in a 6,000-year cycle and a 12,000-year cycle. Our magnetic shield is weakening. So we have all of this. We also have geoengineering. We also have chemtrails. We have surfactants in the rain and the snow. We have all this biochemical nucleations occurring that are really, really, really affecting our plants and our animals and our birds and our bumblebees. And there's aluminum particulates that are hurting our bumblebees and they have literally dementia now. And if, like Albert Einstein said, if the bumblebees die, we die. And then also if the sharks die, we die because sharks are dinosaurs. And so literally what I mean by this is that even if you don't have a spiritual perspective or belief, or regardless of what you do believe or not believe, scientifically, one cannot denounce that there is this supreme right there we're confronted with that in a scientific evidence-based and biologically-based, planetary-based, that we are facing engineered calamities and also things that are out of our control, such as our solar weather and our solar storms and solar forcing and our magnetic shield that we are in this cycle, a 12,000-year cycle. And so that is the reality. So regardless if you're a fundamental Christian, if you're a Buddhist, if you're uh, you know, just kind of open-minded, or if you are Catholic, if you're just really into spirituality, whatever it might be, it, there is so much tangibility behind everything else that causes many people to have a reawakening, let's say. Many of you may have heard of like the Great Awakening, the Grand Awakening, the Reawakening. Well, there's so much to that statement. There's so much to that statement. And so there are many that have been having similar dreams, and that's a collective conscious stream. Many people who never even thought of God or believed in God or believed in an angel or believed in Buddha or anything. And they're living on the other side of the equator and simultaneously maybe someone in another time zone, another place on the other side of the equator, they're having these concurrent dreams and visions. And how is it that, you know, more than one person, a group of people can have the similar message. And then there's also on the dark side of that, where there are people that are seeing the same dark 
vision. So we have people that are seeing the love and the light of God, of Christ, of Buddha, of Mother Mary, of archangels. And then we're also seeing other individuals that are also seeing, you know, Beelzebub. And uh, I'll just leave it there. Like, well, the opposite of the light, right? So how can we explain that, right? How can we really truly explain that along with everything else that's going on in our realm? And so, you know, one of the aspects here too is that when we speak of the evidentiary constructs and also the metaphysical realm and the psycho-spiritual realm and the other worldly realms, again, as Jesus had said, to be in this world but not of it, right? There's this inherent pursuit of knowledge within ourselves always that's seeking this exploration of that will we all encounter at some point in our life and evolution before our transition leaving this dense world, this third dimension. So in the grievances of our hearts and our minds and our souls, when we see so much calamity around us, that is when we really need to grab the light the most, to be the harbinger of love and light the most. When Jesus would confront the most horrific times of his life, he would pray the most fervently. When Buddha would encounter all the pestilence and all the darkness, he would want to just enlighten himself and persevere with that. No matter who all the most beautiful, the Lord, the ascended master, the the grand architect, anything that you want to look upon it as, whenever there is the darkness, that resistance, then the light overcomes that. So when you can be the light, when you can be in that place of where you have encounters and when you create encounters for others to just a smile, just something simple, just a prayer, just a mantra, just something, and you ignite your spiritual discernment that way. You also ignite your spiritual fortitude and your resilience of any type of faith that is in accordance to your doctrine, to your beliefs or your personal beliefs that you really, that resonate with you. But when we have this collaboration with our creator, there's a resilience in our faith in ourselves also that to do the right thing and the moral duties to be obliged and the ethical duties of the soul to be obliged. And so when we have, when we do confront that the grievances are there and that we have to quench our spirit in some capacity. And so again, we cannot deny that this is a truly seemingly twilight zone. One cannot deny that you literally have to be in a coma to not recognize that we're in this very vast dichotomy of uh, these uh, experiences that, you know, there's lawlessness everywhere. There is the economic downturn is everywhere. And there's gen- engineered and other things are, you know, created on purpose. And that's a whole other topic, but it does comprise of what I'm speaking of. Yet that's the subtext of that. But when we are faced with also that influence of the darkness that is taking over and hijacking some people's minds and spirits. Yes, that's true. It happens and it's happening. And so this is the time to really, really, really amplify and be hypervigilant and be totally self-aware with your own divine timing to be that light upon the world, to truly, truly, truly be in that reflecting world of God, of the God's love, God's light, the angelic light, the starseed kingdom light, the galactic kingdom love and light, and the elemental kingdom, the planetary beings that are observing all of consciousness right now and observing the superconsciousness, we truly are not alone. And so if we could tap in and have that coalescence and acclimate and truly integrate just in incremental steps that we can actually correspond with that. We can actually have that 
increase of that divine application of the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? So the spirit can transform. We're all comprised of a spirit, of a soul, and it's how we transform it. So we can actually, if you want to go into the place of, let's say, are we as evil as the law pronounced? Just Let's just go there to Adam and Eve, right? Let's just ponder that just for a moment. And then we go into perhaps the atonement of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, right? That Christ being the fairest of 10,000 to his soul, right? Let's say that. So what do we desire to exercise that, to exercise our endeavors, to exercise to be like a mirror of goodness, a mirror of love, a mirror of kindness and compassion and empathy, all while still being very much in control of ourselves. So that's literally in a temperance state of when we have our tendencies to want to help, tendencies to also survive, right, to find the balance, and also in the virtues of ourselves, in that superpower in which we have so much of this intrinsic awareness to love and to be loved and to nurture and be nurtured and to win and to not lose. But if you choose on the light spectrum to win, right, to win with God, to win with the universe, to win with the angels, to win for the goodness of mankind, then think about how that actually can be in that multiplication state, but that can multiply. So the thoughts like that can actually multiply because you think of morphic resonance and where thoughts become things. And in the state of, if I walk in a room and I'm extremely elated and I am purified and I'm happy and I'm jovial. Yes. There might be some people who are not in a good state, their personality or their characteristics of their personality could be in a bit of, um, let's say, um, so not so pleasant, right? Um, that their disposition could be a bit unpleasant. But if somebody that is very humble and jovial walks in the room, there's an air of shift, even if it's not completely evident there is a tendency to transform and alchemize and create a metamorphosis within the energy because we're all energy, right? And so when we're confronted with the power of the divine and the natural law and the karmic law and we exercise these transformative implementations of where we posit some sort of joy, some form of an element of happiness, even into the most desolate of places. And so when you think of that, it might feel like, well, that's so daunting, right? It's so uh, disconcerting to go there. Like, you know, it's, these people are so, they're so sad. They're so traumatized. They're, they've been through so much war. They've been through so much uh, pain and torture. And they can't smile. Nothing will bring them a smile. But that's why we continue to try. We work on ourselves. We love ourselves. But we continue to try to do the right thing, to help others that don't know how to help themselves, and to remind others that do know how to help themselves, but maybe they've forgotten that moment. And then there are those that are truly, utterly helpless that just really need a village to help them. And then we do help them. But that's part of how we win, how we win in a twilight zone, how we win during satanic influence, how we win during diabolical impressions that are here, that are pervading around us, because the time is running out for them, and we're actually activating our holy spectrum, our holy spirit light, the light hope of our soul star, and all the observational kingdoms, the off-planetary beings, our ancient starseed Lemurians, Atlanteans, the Syrian galactic systems, are in unison with us because we are in the plight of the most epic time that we can imagine where it is truly the battle of light and dark, good and evil. It is really the showdown at this time. And you can consider it in many ways. And many of you say, well, I don't experience it that way. And that's fine. I, I'm just speaking to those that 
are observing it, that are experiencing it, and are wondering what in Hades is going on, what on God's green earth is going on, I definitely feel something different. I definitely feel that there is a shift. If you're in that category of where you're noticing and you're sensing things, especially the last, let's say, even more so the last three years and four years and five years, but it's increasing, it's increasing, it's increasing. And so there's much of that in the cosmic glory, the God's glory, in the universal glory of the majesty of the grace that really wants to share and cloak you with love and light. And so when you go into exercising those transformations for yourself and for others, you're also going to go through a place of where when you are transforming your own image, your image of spirit, your inner reflecting mirror, the mirror of your heart and to what is upon your heart. And if we look at the mirror of God, if we look at the divine heart that is written upon the heart, that the law is a transcript of the divine nature, and that is a mirror of our soul and our karmic soul as well. So mine eye affecteth my heart. So when we think of that and we think of our heart chakra, we look at planet Earth, Mother Gaia, we look at our planetary systems, how perfectly they were positioned by the Creator, by God, in the most divine splendor to guide us, to help us, to heal us. Like right now, we're in Scorpio, we're in New Moon Scorpio, which is ultimate transformation. It is ultimate in the undertow of ourselves, of our shadow selves. And there's a great deal of that. And I can talk about that a little more as well. But we are actually in perfect harmony where these influences were. We see the objects that we can contemplate, and the objects being the solar system, the planets, the realms of creation, that when we see those objects that are not just, they're more than just objects, it's energy bodies, right? But essentially, when we see the object of ourself as well, we're not just an object, we're also an energy body, right? And so... When we contemplate that, we also become in this intensible assimilation to that we resonate with something far greater, far greater than just this object that we see in front of us, before, this, this object of ourself, that there's this intensively beautiful, profound, and I would say that knowing, that comprehension, that it, let's say that with our karmic soul's contract, the object of ourself and the object of our beings around us is in that perfect harmony with our soul's contract. And so when we consider the soul's contract and previous incarnations of the soul's journey, and also the spiritual discernment that we accrue over lifetimes, and let's just stick with this lifetime for right now. So in one lifetime, and through vast experiences in just one lifetime, that when we encounter this dense body with our spirit realm, and being the light body also, that the most wondrously blessed aspects, the most glorious object that is intangible Truly, let's just say this, that in the universe, the most gloriously profound object in this universe is our soul, our spirit. That is truly in that grand impactfulness that if we could recognize just how intrinsically beautiful and how intensely profound and poignant that truly is, those of you that are aware you're already aware. But those of you that are not aware, but you're pivoting towards and reorienting yourself towards, there's something more to this world, right? This is for you. This is exactly for you because we are ultimately a glorious object. And even in the soul and the spirit that one can say is uh, so mysterious, 
because where does our soul go when we die, right? We can go into that, and I've talked about that in previous shows, but 21 grams of a soul, if we're at the medical examiners, truly, uh, let's say that uh, if you've heard this before, but, you know, um, when they measure your body and your bodily contents, I'm so sorry if I'm offending anyone here, but I'm just speaking metaphysical realities here, but literally the 21 grams the the weight of the body in the postmortem body is 21 grams is gone suddenly so there is much postulation of if the soul actually weighs 21 grams so that's up for interpretation but from my research for many years it seems to be that it's uh, you know highly probable that that could possibly be because no one truly knows where it goes um and besides scripture and besides gospel and besides other doctrines and other dogmas, right? They all have their own evidence to substantiate what they believe, right? So, but in essence though, where does that 21 grams go? So let's just say that as an object, right? That our soul, our spirit in the object, in the kingdom of God, that when we have the um, element where we are in that promise of our soul to behold the glory of the kingdom of god that your divine rightful inheritance what does that truly mean so the mirror of the soul the crystallization where we're crystallized and you can call it in reflecting glass you can call it in the crystal spectrum it's like glass but we are changed into that same image that is that's how we were created to be these most beautiful grand um, embodiments of how God's image was foreseen of us, that we are created in the image of God. And also when we can enact on that, on the essence of that and be crystallized and how we can bring the harmony from our heart chakra and truly align that into the ethers and provide a spectrum of love and compassion and to be unconditionally loving. That's a supernatural power the divine magician, Jesus, literally. And so if you look at it from that place of what's conforming to your soul's alignment, and we look at the heart center, it's always the heart. There's always a heartbeat. There's the rhythm, the cycles. If you look at planet Earth, planet Earth has its heart. There's a heart to everything. There's heart to all matter. And we're all connected to that divine heart. And so when we really consider that, how beautiful that is. And so we look at unconditional love, and that's a powerful, powerful, powerful force, unconditional love and grace and virtue. But what do we reflect from that when we receive that? So many of you have heard you get what you give, right? And yes, there's also some uh, distortions there where people can be very, very good, but then they receive not so good. But in essence, though, at the end, eventually the goodness does catch up with them. Why is that to be? Because there's an energy of resistance and expansion and contraction. And so when you actually do go through the world with goodness and you give goodness, even if negative or bad things or really just tragic events have happened to you, there is still the hope because all of those goodness and all that good action that you posited does retract does come back to you and the negative does retract also so the positive does still exist and so in that place of that when i say that you get what you give and to good to be good and to do good that mirror always catches up and it always always happens to become a a, an essential part of your lived reality and also your divine purpose. So let's say that when you consummate the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Buddha, the wisdom of your angels, whatever's respective to your belief, when we consummate the breadth of life and we breathe that into what's bestowed upon us each day, and we breathe that upon the breadth of life to every one of us around us, that all life is truly sacred, that all life is holy. We consider the photosynthesis, the foliage of leaves. Let's look at the life of a raindrop. Really, truly, a raindrop. Wow, from literally the prismatic effect of that refraction of sunlight 
and that sunlight and water, the droplets and how that light can disperse into seven colors, which is a rainbow, right? How magnificent is that? So, I mean, I'm just going to simple things that are grand things that are beautiful things that are awestruck and so detailed and so profound. Yet when we go into that place of where, you know, we look at separating components of wavelengths, right? And the rods in our eyes and how they correspond to create that vision in our field of vision, right? And let's even ponder the double rainbow and the double arc and that when the sunlight's reflected twice within a raindrop and then the violet eye is the higher light and then the redder light is the, the lower rain light from that raindrop. And so literally there's just so much there. And so we think of that and we go into the ocean. The ocean is an unconditional vessel of love that we take so much from, yet it gives us also so much, right? So we see and think of life force, our life force, so precious, the life force that's within us and around us. So all forms of life are so incredibly so sacred in all species, all life, sentient beings, you know, viewing everything around you in the holy sphere that one can find God, one can find the cosmos, one can find the angelic realm, one can find the spirit of Buddha, one can find Kuan Yin, one can find in the supreme realm of the creator, the Lord of divinity and the grand architect, right? So in these perspectives, truly, when we consider that there's that holiness of our sacred life and the sacred life around us, that in the nature of all creation, in the new way in which we encounter ourselves each day, right? Our bodies rebuild and repair overnight. And also throughout times, like we have regeneration of our liver, regeneration of our skin. We have so much regeneration. So when we regenerate biochemically and biologically, we also regenerate in the soul. And so when we contend with darkness, we amplify that light and love of God, the creator. We amplify that divinity to ourselves to be good and do good. And when we can see past our differences and recognize that we are members of truly the same human family, no matter where we are in this world, no matter what our past is, no matter what, as long as it's today and tomorrow that we seek, that we have common goals, that many of us have common goals, that everything we say, the words we utter, like I mentioned earlier, the utterance of a word, everything that we utter, and, and the, everything that we mutter, utter, and say, and speak, and declare is a beautiful declaration, invoking restoration also. So when there's a significance there, speaking a word, praising someone, prophesizing a word, you know, affirming, because to spell is magic. That's why it's called and written out as a spell, because you're actually creating a spell. You're actually alchemizing. So when you have that action and you're in that beautiful place and that there's a significant, profound element of goodness that's overcoming the negative, right? And then there's good versus bad. And then we have all this love and all this kindness that's pivoting towards this, you know, meritorious goal that we know that we can share inherently. Then we thereby are the gifts that we give to the world when we have that. And so despite any of those differences and adversities and despite any of the, you know, malevolence and the existing world. So when we consider that and we love with this intention to bless and uplift the world, we thereby make this vow to treat our beloved earth as such a holy place that it indeed is. It is sacred. If you think about, I mean, just even down to besides our creature kingdom and the the amazingness of all the animals and the creatures so small and even the, the bioluscent animals too that are, oh my gosh, it's just so beautiful. Think of the crystals and the earth. God wanted us to have access to these beautiful energetic fields and I mean, just all this creation around us that's so profoundly magnetically beautiful and 
just so majestic. And we have this internal magnetism to be drawn to that beauty, to be in this grand appreciation of God's creation, right? So when we think of this beloved earth as this holy place, it is. And when we bring peace to earth amidst the spiritual warfare, because we are indeed in lawlessness and chaos, and we are indeed in spiritual warfare. So we have discord, we have all these elements, and then many of you will have the glimpses of the whole four horsemen. And so what is our intention here while we can really be proactive, while negative can try to wage war upon peace, right? But we, so we can bring peace, activate peace in the spiritual love and light, and have those glimpses of the four horsemen be counteracted with that the world is full of peaceful presence, of majesty, of magical alchemy. And when you can declare this, I want the peace of God. I want the peace of God. I want to be in the element of love. I radiate love. I am with God. We are one with God. There's little declarations you can call upon and have the peace of Buddha, have the peace from the element of the majestic Archangel realm with you. And so call upon Archangel Michael. So that love that dwells within us and all people, where you invoke being a peacemaker, being a light worker for the world, for yourself, for ourselves. So to be a contributing member, to contribute in all matters of the collective consciousness of love, respect, that utter beautiful kindness in its purest form, and the sanctification of form, that's the mightiest of all. So, you know, when you look at the virtues of power and the virtues of kindness, it can be very beautifully infectious, right? So when we experience this, we feel compelled by these inferences of peace and love and magic that we truly are in that element and thereby multiplying the blessings of peace. So in closing, I just wanted to remind everyone that, you know, I chose to cover the positive attributes first and also to point out that when we invoke peace and clarity and fortification of the self worth and also of our purpose that when we are in that higher prismatic power of our soul star that is with our mind, body, spirit, that we can overcome many things. And we pray, we chant, we affirm, we meditate, and we also really watch our statements. We really watch our actions and we look upon the mirror of our inner soul's light. And so I I just wanted to make sure that whenever, to remind you that if ever you feel a disruption of your peace, if ever you're surrounded by some lawlessness and also the place of which it's just immeasurable sorrow, that's the time to activate your light. Call in Archangel Michael, call in Jesus Christ, call in Buddha, call in Ganesha, call in Kuan Yin, call in the Mother Mary, Call in your higher power. Call in your ancestors, whatever works for you. Activate that and do not give up. Do not give up on your peace and do not give up on your love and your self-love and the love for this world and other beings, no matter what we're confronted with. So be in that exacting realm, commanding your divinity always, and you will walk in that light of that divine and have custody of your mind, custody of your spirit and custody of your body at all times. Engage with that autonomy of your personal freedom and remain with custody of your spirit, your custody of your mind and body, and that is your divine rightful inheritance. So I wanted to thank you, all of you today, for your presence and your participation for today's show, today's transmission, and I wish you all the most beautiful two weeks and I'll see you then. And also thank you for those that subscribe as well. And I wish you a beautiful, magical weekend. This has been your host, Ray Trujillo of the Beyond Earth Show. And 
Have a magical, magical, magical day. Thank you. Bye.